0: And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church.
1: Hallelujah. Well, let's go to the word of the Lord this morning. It's an honor to be here and, and uh, an honor to be able to share the word of the Lord with you. And so if you have your Bibles and will join me in the book of Luke chapter number 3, I'm going to read verses 14. Uh, Verses 15 and 16. And uh, we're going to talk about the power of Pentecost today. This is Pentecost Sunday. want to talk about the power of Pentecost. Luke chapter 3 and verse 15. The Bible says, And as the people were in expectation, and all men mused in their hearts of John, whether he were the Christ or not, John answered, saying unto them all, I indeed baptize you with water, but one mightier than I cometh, the latchet of whose shoes I am not worthy to unloose. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. Now, I want to make just a one little comment here that really is not related to my message, but I, I can't read this passage of Scripture without thinking of how easy it would have been For John the Baptist to have seized this moment, Amen. The people were in expectation. That's what the Bible says, and they mused in their hearts. They wondered, "I wonder if John is the Messiah, and John could have cashed that check, and he could have let all the glory. He could have just he could have ridden a glory cloud for a little while at least, but John." was confident enough in his own skin to say, I am not him, I'm not he. I've, I can only do so, much. but there's one coming. There is one coming, amen. If there was ever a time for the church, and we are the church, the church is not a foreign entity, if there's ever a time that the church ought to have this same attitude, it is now, amen. To say, look, we are not the answer, but we can lead you to the answer, We are just going to be the conduit through which the Spirit of God can flow. Amen. God bless you and you can be seated. I want to preach to you today about the power of Pentecost. Today, of course, is is Pentecost Sunday, the 50th day past Resurrection Sunday or Easter Sunday. And it's a day to to commemorate the outpouring of the Holy Spirit upon the apostles and all of the others that were in the upper room on that day following the crucifixion. Fiction, the resurrection, and the ascension of Christ. But I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for Acts 2. I'm thankful for the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. It is a promise gift that we can read about in Acts chapter 2. However, this promise is not just locked into the pages of Acts 2. It's a promise that is as relevant today as it has ever been and it is for everyone in this house and everyone in this world. Amen. It is not just for a select few. It wasn't just for then in that time or that era but it is for now. In Ocala, the last several days has found uh, the campground just buzzing with pre-camp activities. The campus has been filled with vendors and contractors and uh, service people of all manner, all kind of workers and cleaners and there's semi-trucks bringing in groceries and and uh, drinks and ice and everything that we're going to need. Everybody's been working together for a common cause because tomorrow, tomorrow morning we begin our t- 2022 camp season and so over the course of the next two months we're going to host seven weeks of camp meeting services. Tomorrow we begin with our very first children's ministry camp. There's two weeks of children's ministry camp. Tomorrow's camp is called Junior Camp, ages 8, 9, and 10. The next week is going to be followed by Crusaders Camp, ages 11 and 12. Then on the heels of that, we're going to begin what will ultimately be Three weeks of youth camps, and they will all be broken down into age groups as well. Then we have family camp, camp meeting for everybody, whosoever will, let them come. And then our final camp of the year is our Spanish camp, and what a tremendous, tremendous venue that is. And so as you can see, it is a camp for all ages, from the age of eight all the way to the highest age that will walk on that campus. It's a time and an opportunity for us to come together. So before someone today would fold their arms and discount what can happen in the life of young children, maybe eight, nine, or ten years old, I just want to tell you that I personally received the Holy Ghost at the age of nine in a similar setting. Now, I didn't understand everything that I would come to know and uh, I didn't really even in all honesty appreciate everything that I would come to appreciate but I will tell you this, that that night God planted something in my young heart that I could never get away from. I didn't really ever wanna get away from it but even, uh, even when I wasn't making all the right decisions in my life, there was a seed of truth that had been planted in my heart and that seed has kept me through the years and to that end I am forever thankful and I am certainly forever indebted. And uh, I will say this about seed. Just because the seed is in the ground, we can't really understand what's going on as long as it's under under the earth. But what's happening when that seed is laying in that sand is the sun is doing its thing from this side and the earth is doing its thing from this side And then all of a sudden one day we with our eyes can see something pierce through that soil. But long before something ever the seed was broken, The husk was broken. There was something going on in that life. And so I just want to encourage you today that if you're witnessing and we've been on a real focused campaign about prayer for prodigals, and if you're praying and you don't see anything happen, just realize this thing. Amen. That while the sun's doing its thing this way, the earth is doing its thing from this way. And I'm going to tell you that if the church will do its thing from this way, we'll allow heaven to do its thing from this way. And so So we're gonna pray and not be dissuaded. We're gonna pray and not be discouraged. We're gonna pray in faith believing. We're gonna hear some of them promise, I'll see you Sunday and you're gonna get here Sunday and they may not be here, but you know what? That doesn't mean that the earth isn't doing its thing and that the sun isn't doing its thing. But one Sunday or one Wednesday, they will walk through those doors and it's imperative that when they get here, All of us are here and we're in revival, church, restoration mode. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Don't discount what God can do. When I look around, and there's just a few more comments here, but when I look around our district on a personal note, I see many that have started in youth camp, my wife and I, have been around and doing this a long time, and and we were privileged to serve on the youth committee. We actually were privileged to serve before we had a title. We were busy working with others and helping them, but then ultimately in time, we were elected to the youth committee and were working in these camps, and then after the youth committee, uh, we were uh, elected or selected or Russian roulette some whatever it may have been <laughs> but we were selected to be camp principal for many many years and so that gave us a lot of exposure and we spent many years of our life working all of the camps and so we know what it's all about good, bad and ugly and, uh, but we have watched these children grow up on the campground and we've been around long enough to realize that these are not children anymore and many of those that were just children at camp that received the baptism of the Holy Ghost are now grown and married with families and children of their own and they are cycling as a matter of fact we some some in our own church this year not for the first time but again this year that they went to camp and their children are going to camp but but beyond that, some that started in camps are now leaders in our district, amen, they are leading, as a matter of fact, just real quickly in my mind, I thought about just a moment ago, no less than four of our district board members grew up on the campground, and they were children and children's campers, the baptism of the Holy Ghost, and now they, now they sit as decision makers to help guide and to steer, so don't discount what the spirit of God can do, Amen. I'm preaching about the power of Pentecost. I know it sounds a whole lot like I'm preaching about let's all go to camp meeting but we're going to shift right here. This is where it changes. Amen. I want to spend just a few minutes and talk about the power of the Holy Ghost. In the Old Testament, the Old Testament writers, they certainly talked about it. The prophets of the Old Testament foretold the coming and the outpouring of the Spirit of God. Men like Ezekiel in Ezekiel 36 and 26 he said a new heart also will I give you and a new spirit will I put within you and I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh and I will give you a heart of flesh and I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and ye shall keep my judgments and do them. Amen. Ezekiel said there's coming a time, Ezekiel wrote this when men and women's knees were buckling under the weight of the law. They were Ezekiel Ezekiel was riding at a time where men and women were straining and struggling with the with the absolute black and white of the law, but the Lord spoke to Ezekiel and said, there is coming a time that I'm going to put something within you, amen, and when I get something in you, amen, what I put in you is going to help you walk in my statutes, and what I put in you will help you keep my judgments. What I put in you will help you do them. That's why people that don't have the Holy Ghost say, I don't think think I could live like that. I couldn't do this. I couldn't refrain from this. I couldn't embrace that. Well, you're trying to make all those decisions absent the power and the presence of God. But when he puts his spirit in you, he said, "I'll give you the power to live my statutes. I'll give you the power to walk in the light." hallelujah, Isaiah Isaiah 44 and 3 he said this, I will pour water upon him that is thirsty and floods upon the dry ground and I will pour my spirit upon thy seed and my blessing shall be thine offspring, Joel 228, recognizable to many here today, amen the Bible says and it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh and your sons and your daughters they're going to prophesy and your old men shall dream dreams and your young men shall see visions I'm telling you today that the Old Testament prophets were talking about an outpouring of the spirit an outpouring of something that was foreign to those ears that were listening and foreign to the voice that was speaking it but by faith they reached out and declared and then in our text the Bible says in John that John said, I indeed baptize you with water, but one mightier than I cometh. I'm not even worthy to latch his shoes. I'm not worthy to unloose his shoes. Amen, he said, he shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. I'm glad today that we're not up here in royal robes. I'm glad we're not up here just reading something very formal this morning and talking about how the Holy Ghost did fall out and how the Holy Ghost happened in Jerusalem, or how the Holy Ghost had moved in another generation in America. I'm glad this morning that in this very service, we have felt the power and the presence of the Holy Ghost and fire in this place this morning. Men and women with the power of the Holy Ghost in their heart felt something they related to. Yes. Amen. I want to thank our musicians and our singers and our praise team. Thankful. Amen. David said sing unto the Lord a new song. I'm glad for what they're singing and teaching us in the worship we felt. I'm glad for the music this morning but hear me. Don't be fooled. Amen. We weren't moving to the sway of the drum. We weren't moving to the rhythm of the bass, we weren't just moved by the lyric of a song, we were moved because a word was connected to that word, hallelujah, and it was the Holy Ghost that began to move and fire that began to stir in our heart, I'm talking to you today about the power of Pentecost, the power of Pentecost. Oh, how the Jews had longed for that day to come. Amen. The prophets had foretold about his coming again and again. The people knew exactly what John was talking about. You see, in 2022, it's not uncommon to find people that have heard about the Holy Spirit outpouring. Amen, or the Holy Spirit infilling. When John was speaking about something, or rather when Ezekiel and Isaiah and others were talking about what they were prophesying of, it was foreign to their listeners. But today we're preaching in a culture, in a generation. I know there's a lot of people that don't know anything or a lot about church or a lot about the Lord, but I know that we're living in an hour where people have heard terminology like the Holy Spirit. Amen, so that that knowledge, that that knowledge gives a a birth to questions. Amen, some, amen, might ask the question, do we need the Holy Ghost today? Well, if somebody asks that question, we should say, I'm glad you asked. Amen, in Acts 1 and 8, the Bible says, you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem, in all Judea, in Samaria, and into the uttermost part of the earth. Amen, like all of us, Like all of us, even today, the disciples lacked power. They had passion, but they lacked power because they didn't have the Holy Ghost. They were followers of Jesus. We have to commend those men that were mending their nets. And Jesus just kind of, if you know, as I read it at least, walked by the seashore. It just seems so casual. It just seems so casual. If you'll lay down your nets and come after me, I'll make you fishers of men. And these men, I, I don't know if it happened as fast as what it seems, as though we can read it in scripture, but it just seems immediately they dropped their nets and they began to fall him. Amen. And they didn't understand, but they were passionate. They watched him. They watched him as he ministered. They were passionate about what was going on, but they lacked the power of the Holy Ghost. They were passionate about trying to see people delivered, but some of them laid hands and prayed for one that was filled with a demons and they fail to be able to deliver that demon power from that individual. And they go back to the Lord. We don't know why. What's wrong? Is there sin in our life? These come by by prayer and by fasting. And there were, while they had passion and they had watched him open blinded eyes. They had watched him break the bread. They had watched him turn water to wine. They had watched him do many marvelous things and yet and it's horrifying to think about it, and yet they lacked the courage to stand for him at the crucifixion. As a matter of fact, they walked away. They forsook him. Amen, they went away. They they walked the other way. They tried to turn their back. Even Simon Peter denied that he even knew the Lord. One young lady is saying, but you're one of them. No, no, I'm not one of them. Yeah, I believe you are. I believe you are. No, no, you, you're mistaken. me. He had passion, but he lacked power. But then something happened. Hallelujah, he said, go go to Jerusalem and you carry until you're endued with what? power from on high. I'm going to tell you today you can have passion about God. You can have passion about his word. You can have passion about church, passion about ministry but if you don't have the power of the Holy Ghost, somewhere the devil will choke you down. Somewhere life will discourage you. Somewhere you're going to say I can't hold up under the weight of this and that but in Acts chapter 2 and verse number 1 and when the day of Pentecost was fully come. They were all with one accord and in one place. And suddenly and suddenly and suddenly. Hallelujah. I'm going to tell you, it wasn't really sudden. They had walked with him a long time. They had been faithful a long time. They had been in Jerusalem a while. They had been tarrying a while. But I'm going to tell you, it was like giving birth. It was like if the nine months just got all erased. It was like the travail got all wiped away. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rush and mighty wind and it filled the house where they were sitting and there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire and it sat down, it sat upon each of them and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Hallelujah. They had passion, but they lacked power. They had desire, but they didn't have power. I'm going to tell you today, what you need is the Holy Ghost. If you're going to have power to be victorious, if you're going to have power over sin, you can't do it with mind power. You can't do it with willpower. You can't do it because you're stubborn. You're going to have to say, Lord, I'm an empty vessel, and I need you to fill me with your spirit. Hallelujah. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! that's why when the devil comes along even after you got the Holy Ghost even when the devil comes along even after you got the Holy Ghost and starts tempting you and you start seeing things in a different light that just means the needle's getting a little low the Bible says of Stephen every mention of Stephen Read it for yourself. There's some inference being full of the Holy Ghost. Now, I've never been one that really enjoyed riding around on empty just for the sake of riding around on empty. But I'll tell you, it's really hard for me to let my gas tank get down too low now as high as gas is. It hurts my feelings so bad. I'd rather stop way more often. I know at the end of the month it's all, according to Chase, it's all the same. I get it. But I also enjoy the idea that we're full. I want to be full. I want to be full. Now, in Acts chapter 2, the promise of the prophets that was foretold is now finally fulfilled. And God's spirit poured out, flowing into the lives. They were no longer Powerless. They were no longer just passionate, but they were anointed, powerful. Holy Ghost changed them. And then that same Simon Peter, think about it with me now. (laughs) That poor, pitiful, powerless Simon Peter they said no no I'm not the one no you're mistaking me I don't know who you're talking about I have nothing to do with that Uh, mistaken identity that man who once stood cowardly the man who once stood afraid the same man that denied that he ever even knew him amen when they got to inquiring about all of this when they got to inquiring what is this Holy Ghost when people started poking their head in that open room when people started feeling the electricity that the power of the Holy Ghost was generating among that 120 or so that were gathered there when this began to spill out into the street questions were born and people were saying are they drunk what's in the world is going on I want to tell you the same man that was warming his hand over the wrong fire he stood dead center, but he didn't stand alone Peter standing up with the 11 hallelujah amen he stood up with the 11 he lifted up his voice in Acts 14 2:14. 14, and he Said unto them, Ye men of Judea, and all ye that dwell in Jerusalem, be it known unto you and hearken to my words. For these are not drunken as you suppose, seeing that it is the third hour of the day. But this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! He had passion before, but he had no power. He had desire before, but he had no power. He had love before, but he had no power. I'm going to tell you, we can't just just be a passionate church we can't just be a loving church we can't just be a friendly church we can't just be an organized church we can't just be a singing church we can't just be a musical church we need to be a powerful church Power to break sin, power to pray prayers, power to pray prayers that'll destroy the yoke of sin. And when alcoholics come in, amen, that spirit of alcoholism has to go. And when drug addicts come in, amen, the spirit of addiction has to go. And when division comes in, the power of divisiveness has to go because there's power in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Yes. Ooh. Yes. Amen. Oh, they needed the Holy Ghost. They needed the Holy Ghost. They needed the Holy Ghost. I just hit my iPad and it went all the way back to the beginning. I don't know if the Lord's trying to talk, tell me to start over again. Amen. We will not try to spiritualize everything. How's that? But this man and these men who once stood powerless. And cowardly. Amen. Unable to pray a prayer that would heal. Unable to pray a prayer that would deliver. This same one. Amen. Now with the power of the Holy Ghost going into the temple. And a lame man is laid at the temple. Alms, alms, alms. I need a little money, I need a little lunch, I need a sandwich, I need a water. Alms, 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 alms. Oh no, Simon, it wasn't Simon the coward now. It wasn't Simon the denier now, no. No, it wasn't Simon walking the other way and looking the other way, but he looked at him in the eye and said, sir, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, such as I received in the upper room, such as heaven poured into my soul, such as I have, give I thee in the name, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk, and the Bible said, he took him by the right hand and and lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength, and he leaping stood up and walked and entered with him into the temple, walking, leaping, and praising God, did you follow that, he didn't just get healed, he didn't just get healed, but he became a father, He followed them into the temple. I'm gonna tell you, Hatchman Apostolic Church, amen, I thank God for every blessing he's given us. But if you're gonna pray for something, pray for Holy Ghost power, amen, pray for prayers, amen, that'll have power behind them. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much, praise God, praise God it was the Holy Ghost it was the Holy Ghost that made the difference and it's the Holy Ghost that changes us how many times do people make commitments to live for God but then keep going back to their old life kind of drifting back into the old lane they want to serve the Lord desire relationship and perhaps make promises to live for Him but something's missing and that something that's missing is the fact they have desire but they don't have power You need the power of his spirit in our lives. Amen. The Bible talks about the baptism of the Holy Ghost and fire. Amen. Those words are commonly coupled. The word baptism means to dip, immerse, to submerge, to place into, to be fully covered, in other words. We understand the significance of that. John's baptism, his baptism was with water, water, but the baptism of Jesus Christ was with the Holy Spirit and fire. John's baptism was both a preparation and it was also symbolic. It was, it was a teaching mechanism of baptism, spiritual baptism. It was John, the forerunner, showing what Jesus was coming to do. John's water baptism perhaps meant <clears throat> multiple things, but at least two. Number one, it symbolized a cleansing from sin that a person who was being prepared for cleansing that Jesus was coming to provide. But secondly, it symbolized separation or it symbolized dedication, being dedicated unto something, not just separated from one thing but dedicated to something else. It symbolized a person that was setting their life apart, that we're walking a new path now and we have dedicated ourselves to a new cause. They were committing themselves to Christ This Christ, Jesus, that John kept preaching about. And so when we think about that, that is John's baptism. But then we think about the spiritual implications of the baptism of Jesus Christ. Luke 3 and 16, amen, this double baptism. If I could use that terminology. Jesus said that he would baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. Amen. What John was talking about. He's going to baptize you with the Holy Ghost and fire. Luke wrote about it in chapter 3. When Jesus baptizes a person in the Spirit, I believe that as well. We're talking about baptism, full baptism, to immerse, to place a person in the Spirit. Amen. That Spirit in a person, it's a full, complete package. We don't just dip our fingers in water in baptism. We don't just sprinkle someone in baptism. Amen. Because baptism is immersion. It is to go completely under. It is to be washed fully and completely. And so when Jesus baptizes us with the Holy Ghost and fire, he does something complete, whole. His spirit is now within, and it flows from within out. John 7 and 38, the Bible says, He that believeth on me, as the scripture has said, Out of his belly shall flow amen, rivers of living water. Amen. And then and then, verse 39 is a commentary on that. But this he spake of the Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive. For the Holy Ghost was not yet given, because that Jesus was not yet glorified. It was it was a reminder. Amen. There's going to be something in you, but it's going to be a, in you. It's going to be in your belly. But out of that is going to flow rivers of living water. You see, a person can be carnal and materialistic, but once they have been baptized in the Spirit, spirit truly feel with the spirit they take on a, a new mindset they're 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 spiritually minded amen there's people in this house that probably at some point in your life you didn't even think about coming to church on Sunday but now <laughs> I just happened to look back at brother Davis when I said that and I didn't hear what he said, but I I felt it. Amen. (laughs) I guarantee he's thinking about Sunday before Sunday gets here and Wednesday before Wednesday gets here. Amen. Why? Because, amen, they're spiritually minded. They're spiritually minded. I have got to be in the house of the Lord. Romans 8 and 5, the Bible says, For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is intimacy against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. Secondly, not only a baptism of the Spirit of the Holy Ghost, but a baptism of fire. <laughs> Fire has several functions that I think clearly, even graphically symbolize the work of God because fire has many uses even in our world today. Fire illuminates and the fire of the Holy Ghost can illuminate, it can open our eyes. It can help us see revelatory passages of scripture and and, and help the Spirit of God to help us to grow as we walk in Him. That's why we need the Holy Ghost and fire. We need that illumination. Fire warms. It's, it's the warmth of the love of God in our heart, and our lives. It changes us. Amen. Some people that were just so prickly and, and hard to get along with, just cantankerous, get filled with the Holy Ghost and become kind and generous and loving. And Amen. Amen. You got really quiet right there. I'm not sure why. But anyway maybe some people are still in the process, who knows but fire also melts amen, there are areas of our lives and our heart perhaps that have been cold and indifferent frozen but the warmth of the spirit of God the fire of the Holy Ghost the fire of the Holy Ghost can just melt that frozen heart, that hard heart, amen, fire burns fire, it burns out the impurities, it burns away the chaff it burns away the sin and you know what, it burns away the desire for sin, now I know I've used illustration time and time and time and time again and I know this dear blessed soul has been gone for many many years now some of you would not ever have known him but many here still do I remember brother T.D. Sims have received the baptism of the Holy Ghost when we first came here And one night I was talking about the great testimony of he being delivered from a life of alcoholism and, and, uh, and, and how that the Lord just took alcohol out of his life and he stopped me that night after church in the aisle, and he said, "I want you to know something." And and he wasn't being out of the way. He said, "The Lord didn't just take alcohol from me. He said the Lord took away the desire of alcohol." And I'm telling you, I'm telling you, it opened my eyes. It opened. It wasn't like the Lord said you can't have that anymore and he snatched it out of his hand God did something in his heart and he said I never wanted another drop I never wanted another taste he took away the desire amen that's why you need the Holy Ghost amen that's why you need the Holy Ghost and the fire because that fire can burn desire it can burn the chaff it can burn impurities out of your life amen I'm telling you today that there's many in this house those that are watching online and across our fellowship and around the world that can. stand and say the Lord just took away the desire for this, that or whatever it may have been Amen. it may not be alcohol for some it's not for everybody but whatever your vice may have been, whatever sin had you bound, whatever it was it was crippling you, I'm glad that the Holy Ghost and fire come along and it just burned out it just burned out praise God during our men's conference a couple of months ago Brother Jerry Dean, one of the message I believe he preached on the first service was talking about a controlled burn, and how he was riding down the road and saw a big forest and how it had all been underbrushed and burned and 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 uh, that controlled burn many of you understand the uh, the premise behind that and it is to keep down a forest fire that's, that is uncontrollable that one you can 't put out after a while it is to keep down the underbrush, but there are some regions in our nation that they don't want that to be done and and so we want to leave everything alone because of that underbrush being allowed to grow when forest fires start often they burn for days and weeks and even months and millions and millions of dollars of property and things are lost because somebody said I don't want to take care of this I don't want to take care of it I know you know where I'm going we need the Holy Ghost and fire amen to do a controlled burn in our life every day amen just burn this down and when something gets It's a blazing. It's not going to burn very high. It won't be enough to damage. It won't be something we can't put out. It won't be something we can't, can't take care of. Amen. We need the Spirit of God to touch us and touch us today. I'll ask our musicians to come. And while they're coming, amen, I'll say this. That in truth we all must be filled with the Spirit of God. You see, it's so easy to walk in the Spirit, so to speak. If I can use that a little loosely. It's easy to walk in the spirit while you're at church because most of the time we're only in church a few hours a week. On average, attending every service, a person would spend only about 150 hours a year in church in a corporate scheduled local service. But that same person, perhaps especially a working person still in in the working years of their life, would spend in excess of 2,000 hours a year at work. And they would spend about that same amount of time at home around friends and family. And so the place for us to show and shine is not here. Where we really need to be letting our light shine is where we're spending the most time. And that's on the job. And that's at home. But if our coworkers hate our guts, we're probably doing something wrong. If our wives or husbands stomach gets in a knot when we walk in the door at the end of the day, we're probably doing something wrong if everybody's happy and everybody's laughing until we walk in we're probably doing something wrong amen so the place that needs us the most to walk in the spirit is not here we need to walk in the spirit here but the place that desperately needs us the most to walk in the Spirit is when we walk out of these doors. And I know we've said it for years, ended our services many years this way, Say that we've had church, let's go be the church. Let's go be the church. And that's why we need a constant infilling of the presence of God. Because if we're going to be witnesses for the Lord, our greatest time to witness is not here. But our greatest time to witness is just not far from about to happen because in a few minutes we're all going to stand and the lights of this building is going to be turned out and the parking lot will be empty and you're going to go about your schedule, whatever that may be and that's where somebody's going to need to see the light of the Holy Ghost, what the Spirit of God can do in a person's life. Let's stand. Amen. It's that man or woman or young person that we are we're in the public eye hour after hour weeks on end because that's where the real us creeps out the real us emerges in the real world that's why Paul tells us over and over again not only to be filled with the spirit but to allow the spirit to continue to feel continually feel us, lead us, guide us transform us because, you see, Paul lived among real people in a real world. I know you know the life of Paul. He lived in streets and houses and many times lived in prison, not by choice. His was a life that was tried and tested and came under all kind of scrutiny, all kind of inspection, but Paul knew what it meant to live among people. He knew what it meant to work for others and have others work for them Amen. He needed wisdom. He needed guidance. He needed knowledge. He needed the spirit of God to guide him and to lead him. That's why we should never begin our day without prayer. That's why we should never take the, run the risk to say, I can do this on my own today, God. No. No, no, no. I need you to feel me again. I need you to feel me again. Amen. Let's worship the Lord. Can we do that? Hallelujah.